is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Okay, so this morning we're going to be uh, continuing our series looking at the life of David. If you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 20, please. We'll uh, read some verses together in just a moment. This morning we're going to be looking at David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan. And uh, I referred recently to uh, David's friendship with Jonathan and said that we would come back to it. And uh, so we have this morning. Uh, we've looked at some of the things recently that were taken away from David uh, that he lost over a period of time, how uh, God stripped things away from him. And so one of these things is the, is the friendship, actually, with, with Jonathan. And, that, and uh, things change over time. And, uh, but before that friendship is taken away and things change, we see something in Scripture of the, uh, of the relationship and the friendship that they had and, uh, and what that meant to them. And so that's what I want us to look at this morning. So if you have a Bible, we're going to read some verses from, uh, from 1 Samuel chapter 20. Read the first uh, 17 verses. It says this, Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he's trying to take my life? Bear in mind that Jonathan is Saul's son, Saul being the king who is after David and, uh, and trying to kill him. Never, Jonathan replied, you're not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything, great or small, without confiding in me. Why should he hide this from me? It's not so. But David took an oath and said, your father knows very well that I have found favour in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he'll be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. So David said, look, tomorrow's a new moon festival and I'm supposed to dine with the king. Let me go and hide in a field until the evening of the day after tomorrow. If your father misses me at all, tell him. David earnestly asked Sorry, if your father misses me at all, tell him. David earnestly asked my permission to hurry to Bethlehem, his hometown, because an annual sacrifice is being made there for his whole clan. If he says very well, then your servant is safe. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he is determined to harm me. As for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I'm guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? Never, Jonathan said, if I had the least inkling that my father was determined to harm me, wouldn't I tell you? David asked, who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? Come, Jonathan said, let's go out into the field. So they went there together. And they make an agreement that um, Jonathan's going to feed back to David, as it were, what happens. And we pick up in verse 16. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David, David's enemies to account. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as he loved himself. And they agree that uh, Jonathan's going to feed back to David how Saul reacts, and unsurprisingly he reacts badly. And uh, Jonathan realises that Saul is out to kill David and to, and to get rid of him. And so this is the situation that they find themselves in. And what we've read here is an example 
a biblical example, actually, of a God-honouring deep friendship. Jonathan has made a commitment to David to stand with him, to be there for him. And Jonathan really gives up the likelihood of him inheriting the kingdom as he does this. He realises over time that actually his relationship with David probably means that he's not going to inherit the kingdom himself, but that doesn't change his friendship. Actually, it makes him even more committed to David than before. So this friendship to Jonathan certainly is costly. It's costly. Think about it for a moment. There comes a moment in time for Jonathan when he realises that David is likely to be the next king. And that means that he isn't. Maybe he'd grown up thinking, um, um, maybe I'm going to succeed, my father Saul. Maybe he'd thought that. Maybe he would be aware of, you know, of his family line coming into, into that. But he realises that actually it's David that's going to become the next king. And in, in realising this, he reaffirms his commitment to and his friendship to David. It's clear that theirs is a strong friendship. So like a covenant love, it's strong, it's committed. We see it first in 1 Samuel 18 where uh, Jonathan gives David his robe, his tunic, his sword, his bow and his belt. Maybe even at this early stage he's realising how things are going to unfold and what's going to happen. And in giving such a commitment to David, Jonathan is effectively giving up his right and expectation to succeed his father as king. And so this is no ordinary friendship. He's making friends with someone that's going to take what may have been his place. And it's now David's family that's going to inherit the kingdom. And you might argue that's a good political move. You might think, oh, Jonathan sees what's happening, reads the signs and thinks, oh, I'll be friends with this guy. I don't think it's that at all. I think actually what we see here is a genuine, God-honouring, committed friendship. This is real friendship. It's a, a real commitment that, that he makes. And it's a strong friendship. Let's be clear about that. But there really aren't any homosexual overtones here. I know some people read that into the text. I don't think that's fair. It doesn't say that. It doesn't even imply that. I was on a, a preacher's training course not so long ago. And uh, one of the phrases that our lecturer said, uh, which I thought was really helpful, uh, was this talking about taking biblical texts and what they mean. He's saying, it can't mean now what it never meant then. I thought, that's a really good phrase. It can't mean now what it never meant then. And sometimes we can seek to read things into Scripture that aren't actually there. We need to be careful as we read the Bible. And we need to understand what it said to its original recipients and work hard to understand what it's saying to us as well. And so what it is saying to us is this passage is talking about David and Jonathan's strong, committed, God-honouring friendship. So what is that sort of friendship? How do you get friends like that? How do you become a friend like that? Well, we'll answer those questions in just a moment. But we talk a lot in Jubilee about loving one another. If you've been around any length of time, you will have heard me talk about our values, what we're going for, what's important to us. And one of those is loving one another. It comes up straight after loving God, in fact, which is number one. Next one is loving one another. And we talk a lot about it because it's important to us. And this is a great example 
of loving one another. David and Jonathan's friendship here. It's interesting, the instruction to love one another came out really strongly at the last prayer meeting we had in Burton uh, a few weeks ago. It was a great evening, had over 40 people there from uh, around the region of churches that we work with, uh, some of who travelled in to support Matt and Lou and the group there in Burton. And it was a great evening, it was really good. And God spoke very clearly through the evening. There are a number of great prophetic words. But one of them was about the importance of loving one another. And you can think, oh yeah, yeah, I know that, I've heard that, I've read it in the Bible. But sometimes, you know, if you're in a meeting and God speaks prophetically, there's an extra weight to it. It's like God saying, I know you know it, but you need to pay particular attention to this right now. And it's like that's what God was saying about loving one another. The, uh, the word that was brought picked up uh, from what Jesus said in John chapter 13, where he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus continues. The next verse says this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There's a very missional element to this verse. This instruction that Jesus gives is more than just something for the church. Actually, it speaks to those who look in about what it means to follow Jesus. I felt it was a very significant word for the guys in Burton. I thought, too, it's important for us to hear again here in Derby as well. You see, we can often think that loving one another, caring for one another, is just about looking out for each other in the church. And it's good to do that, and we're commanded to do that. We're commanded to love one another and to care for one another. But it's more than just an internal thing. It's got an outward perspective to it as well. Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. There's a missional edge to this. It's pretty clear. People watch. People observe. People notice. People make judgments, be it rightly or wrongly, on what they see. As they see those of us who say, well, we love Jesus and we're seeking to honour him. People observe us and think, well, is that how I want to live? Is that, does that look good? Does that look attractive? They look in at a church and say, does that look attractive? Do I want to be around that sort of group of people or not? It has that missional edge to it. So I guess the question for us is, do people see us loving one another? Is that observable? I would suggest it needs to be observable. For it to mean something, you have, to be able to, you have to be able to see it and say, yeah, I can see a concrete example there of how they love one another. As you read through uh, the, uh, the book of Acts and read about the early church, you read about practical ways where they cared for and loved one another. It wasn't just something they said. They didn't just say, oh, yeah, yeah I love one another. Yeah, I'm good with that. And we could say that very easily. Say, oh, yeah, we love one another. Yeah, we're good on that. But as you look in through the book of Acts, you'll see that the early church demonstrated this in practical ways. They cared for one another in very practical ways. So my question to us is this. Is it observable? Is it viewable, if you like? Can people look in and say, oh yeah, I can see that they love one another, that they're committed to one another. The more I've been preparing for this message, the more I've felt God speak about this subject. And if I'm really honest with you, in preparing, I was, it was like I said to the Lord, God, don't you realise I've just preached on this recently? 
You know, I've just talked about this. I've just covered this. Do I really need to do it again? And it was like the Lord said, and? <laughs> okay, I get the point. I just felt like God wants to underline it to us again this morning. Because we see in Jonathan and David's friendship a commitment, an example of what a real friendship is like. We see what it is to really care for another person, what it means to love somebody else, what it means to prefer someone else, in fact, and to put them before ourselves. And it's what God is saying about loving one another. A new command I give you, said Jesus, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus hammers it home, isn't he? We need to see that it's a command. Do you notice that Jonathan and David formed a friendship voluntarily? They weren't commanded to do it. They formed a friendship voluntarily. For us, this is a command of Jesus. A new command I give you, Jesus says. Just in case we weren't clear about it, just in case we might have missed it, he underlines it by saying, a new command I give you. We need to think, oh, okay, I need to listen up here. This is important, clearly. Jesus has something to say. We need to take note of it. What is he saying? A new command I give you. Okay, I'm ready to listen, Lord. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That phrase three times in two verses. It's not an option. This is important to us. It's vital for the health of God's church. You see, the church isn't just a gathering of people who happen to turn up at the same place and the same time on a Sunday morning. No, no, no. The church is more than that. The church is God's family. The Bible talks about it being the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. This is important for us. The popular Christian blogger Adrian Warnock has been tweeting recently about relational Christianity. You may have seen it if you follow him. Well, personally, I don't think there's any other sort of Christianity, but there you go. Some people clearly do. But one of his tweets said this about what he termed relational Christianity, which is what he was highlighting. He said this, Where many believers know the joy of hearts being knit together in an instant, as Jonathan and David were, and friendships that survive separation over great distance and time. One of the hallmarks, he said, of relational Christianity. I wonder, is that true for you? Is it, is it true for you? Friends, it's not an option for us. Jesus commands us about this. This is his command to us. So if we want to build a church that honours Jesus and is obedient to him, then we need to get this one right. We need to say, Yes, Lord, I hear that you're speaking here. So we've got the example of David and Jonathan here. But what does it mean for us to really love one another? What does it mean for us? Well, I'm sure there are many things. I'm sure there are a whole load of things that we could think of that it means to love one another. But here are a few. Number one, we make a decision... To speak well of other people. We make a decision to speak well of other people. Number two, we think the best of others and refuse to hear or participate in gossip. 
We think the best of others and refuse to hear or participate in gossip. Number three, if we have a problem with someone, where possible, we choose to let it go, to forgive and not to take offence. If someone has said something to you that has upset you, that's offended you, where possible, you choose to let it go, to forgive and not take offence. Or number four, if we can't do that, then we go to the person that's offended us and seek to put it right, rather than moaning about it or them to other people. Number five, we offer hospitality and eat together regularly. I like that one. We offer hospitality and eat together regularly. You look through the Gospels, Jesus is always eating with people. But think about it, it's often how you build friendships, isn't it? What do you do when you hang out with friends? Often you you eat together. You build great friendships over meals. Jesus said that. We should do the same. Number six, what does it mean? It means we care for one another in practical ways, seeking to meet needs where we can. Number seven, we're proactive in loving one another, constantly looking for ways to express it. Trying to be creative, coming up with new ideas to think, oh, I can really demonstrate this, I can really show this person how much they mean to me. Number eight, we give and share our money and other possessions. It's an example of loving one another. A couple more. Number nine, whilst we don't try and find fault with one another, we do challenge in love where one another is in danger of sin or falling away from God's. But you can't do that out of relationship, can't you? You can't do that cold. You can just offend people. But out of relationship, you can do that. You can go to somebody and say, hey, you know what you're doing there? Are you sure about this? Is that, is that really a good idea? That, the way you're heading there, is, is that really wise? You can do that out of relationship with people. People have done that with me over the years. I can't pretend I would have enjoyed it at the time. But I'm very grateful. And there one friend who came to me at one point saying, what you're doing here is not good. Have you, have you thought about this? Have you, you looked at it? I thought, oh, you're right. I don't think you're right straight away. Straight away I wanted to punch him. But he's bigger than me, so I didn't. But his, his comment was out of friendship, out of relationship and love. Have you got those sort of friends around you? I'm very grateful to him for saying that. It was really helpful in a particular situation. Have you got those sort of friends around you? Number 10. We ensure that we're not an exclusive club for the few, but are inclusive of the many God will send us. That's what it means to love one another. So how does it sound? How do all those sound to you? Do you want to be part of a church like that? I do. I think, yeah, that sounds good. How are we doing on some of those things? Well, I guess some of them we're doing better than others, if I'm honest. If I look at my life and go, how am I doing on those things? Probably some I'm doing better than others. But I know this, I want to be part of a church like that. I want friends like that. And I want to be a friend like that to other people. I would guess you do too. So how are we going to build a church that loves one another like that? Well, I believe we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Would you agree? We are a people of the presence, the presence of God. And it's his presence that makes all the difference. It really is. And it's his spirit in one another that draws us to one another. 
Have you ever had that experience where you know you meet somebody for the first time, you don't know them, maybe it's in a work context, maybe you're at a conference or something, and you just happen to meet someone, and you, you immediately think, I wonder if, there's a Christ- if they're a Christian. They just have a sort of a sense of presence about them. You think, oh, I just, just sense that they may be a believer. Maybe you've had that experience. And sometimes it's appropriate to ask the question, and sometimes it's not appropriate to ask the question straight off. <laughs> But you think, oh, it's just a sense of the Holy Spirit rises in you as the, as the Spirit recognizes the Spirit in another believer. You think, oh, yeah, I think they love Jesus too. It's his Spirit in us that draws us to one another. But I, I do believe, friends, as we remember these things, we also remember the missional aspect of it. It's as we love one another, as we demonstrate God's love to others, the people look in and go, oh yeah, I can see. I can see this means something. And it says we do that, we seek to build a healthy, happy and vibrant church. And as we do that, we'll grow. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced that God will send us new people. He will add to us if we're ready to receive them. If we have arms open wide that are ready to receive those who God sends us. People who are searching for a spiritual home, people who are searching for a meaning of life, looking for God, will they find a home here? Will this be a place where they are loved and accepted and welcomed in? Maybe even this morning that describes you. Perhaps you're looking for that place. Perhaps you're looking in thinking, I wonder if I can find a home here. I wonder if I really can have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're looking in, maybe you're returning to the Lord, as it were, after a, a, a period of being away from him. Maybe you're thinking, ah, oh, I just need to get back into following Jesus and be part of a church family that loves him. Maybe that describes you even this morning. And if it does, then you can find a home here. You can respond to Christ's invitation to follow him today and put your trust in him and follow him. In doing so, you can know forgiveness from God. You can know new life and freedom like we talked about and have sung about a little earlier. You can know a relationship with the living God even today. This morning, you can join God's family if you decide to respond to Jesus' invitation. So, the question is for us, I think, how can we love one another? How can we do that well? How do we welcome visitors in and help them join the family? How do we do that well? Well, I do believe, as I said, that God wants Jubilee to grow. He wants to add new people to us. Because I believe it's biblical that healthy things grow. God's designed it that way. So the question is, are we healthy? Are you healthy in God's? And if you're not, are you getting the help that you need? Think about it for a moment. If you're not healthy physically, if you're sick, if something's wrong, then you'll think about doing something about it. Unless you're a bloke and you'll think, oh, I'll get better by itself. But you know, after a little while, you think, oh, yeah, I need to do something about this. I'm not well. Something's right. Something, something's wrong. You think, oh, I need to maybe ask somebody to pray for me or I need to go and see my GP or I go to the hospital or whatever it might be. You do something about it. You don't just sort of, Stay there in your sickness. You do something about it if you're physically sick. I wonder 
if you feel not great spiritually, are you doing something about that? Are you getting help? Are you getting people to love you and pray for you and help you in your relationship with God and in your journey with him? Because that's loving one another. That's a David and Jonathan sort of loving one another. It really is. So let's come back to our text before we finish this morning. Jonathan and David are a great example of two people who really love one another and sought the best for one another. I wonder, could that be said of us? Could it be said of me? Could it be said of you? That you're that sort of person? If so, that's great. Let's tell some other people about that too. And if not, then maybe this morning you can come to God and ask him to help you. Because I know that he will. We've said already that Jonathan gave up his calling, maybe even his expectation for the success of David to promote him. I wonder, are you that committed to anyone else? That you give up what you think really might be rightfully yours, but you give it up in order to promote someone else, to allow them to succeed, to allow God's blessing upon them. I remember listening to someone a few years ago who described how he'd stepped down from leading a church in order to serve somebody else, serve their vision and serve on their team. And there were those around him who thought he was crazy. But actually, it was the best thing he'd ever done. Because in doing so, God really blessed him. He knew that he was in the right position, the right fit for who God had made him to be and his gifts and experience. And boy, God really blessed him as a result of that. I wonder, have you given up your own ambitions and goals to serve others? So it's not about what you want for your life. It's about what God wants for your life. Let me tell you this. What God wants for your life is far greater than you could even imagine than you'd want for your life. It's bigger. It's greater. It's more expansive than even you could think about. So what's the Lord calling you to? Well, perhaps like Jonathan, who is the Lord calling you to? So there have been people in my life who I have gone to at different points and I've made it clear that I'm for them, that I want to work, for, work with them and serve them and serve what, the mission that God has given them and be part of that and be prepared to submit to their leadership in it. And I can think of various conversations I've had with different people over the years that I've gone to and said, oh, I want you to know that I'm with you on this. I'm for you on this. I'm for what God is doing in us together. And as I've done that, God's blessed me. Now, that's not the reason I've done it. <laughs> but because I've done it, God's blessed me and he's blessed them. I can think of somebody I've had a conversation with even this year. And say, so, well, you know, this is great what God's saying, but I want you to know that I'm for you. And what God is doing with us together, I want to serve you in it. I wonder, have you done that? Have you said that to anybody? See, doing those sort of things, saying those sort of things helps to build real friendships like the one we have here in Scripture of David and Jonathan. The group of New Frontiers churches that we're part of called Christ Central has the following four distinctives. 
being friends, enjoying God together, building churches empowered by word and spirit, advancing the kingdom, transforming the world, and reaching nations, making disciples. The first one's so important. Being friends, real friends, that enjoy God together. I want to encourage us as we begin to close. Be those sort of friends. Be that sort of person that enjoys God with one another. In 1 Samuel 23, we're told that Jonathan encouraged David in God. I wonder what does that mean? How do you do that? It means that you encourage someone in the Lord, in their relationship with God. You encourage their faith. You encourage their belief in God. You encourage them to keep going when it gets hard, when it's tough and circumstances are crowding in among them, around them. You say, keep going, keep hanging in there. Keep going for what God has got for you. That's what it means. That's what it means when we're told that Jonathan encouraged David in God. That's a good friend, isn't it? We need friends like that. I need friends like that. I can think of times when I thought, I don't know if I can go for this anymore. Things have got tough or difficult or circumstances have been hard. And I think, oh, I just don't know if I can keep going. And I've had friends around me that have come to you and go, come on, you know what God has said, keep going, keep hanging in there. I know it's tough, I know it's difficult, keep going for what God has got. And I've needed that. You know what, I bet you need it too. So have you got those sort of friends around you? Well, perhaps a better question is this. Are you that sort of friend to others? Are you that sort of friend to others? I guess most of us could read the account of Jonathan and David and think, well, that's a great friendship. I wish I had that friendship with someone. Let me into a secret. I'll let you into a secret. The best way to get a friend like that is to be a friend like that. And all of you can be that sort of friend. It probably involves initiative on your part. It will certainly involve some commitment, maybe some time. And it certainly involves wanting the best for the other person, putting their needs before your own. So who does God want you to be that friend to today? In a moment, we're going to pray. But before we do, I just want you to think for a moment. Who does God want you to be that friend to today? Can we stand together? And we're going to close. We're going to pray about this in a minute. Before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here this morning and you're thinking, yeah, I just need to make a, a recommitment to the Lord and to come back to him, then I'm going to give you a chance to do that in a moment. Or maybe for the first time you want to put your trust and faith in Jesus. Again, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in a moment. And then we're going to pray and close our time together. So perhaps we can just close our eyes as we stand here. If this morning you're thinking, you know what? Yeah, I just need to come back to God. I need to return to him and follow him once again. You just put your hand up where you are. I'd love to pray for you. 
Or maybe if for the first time you want to put your trust in Jesus and believe in him, accept his forgiveness for everything you've done wrong, and decide to make him Lord of your life and be part of his family, you just raise your hand where you are and I'll pray for you. So we stand before the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray in a second. I'm just going to wait for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your work in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you keep drawing us to yourself. Thank you that you are at work in our hearts. And thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you that you've died and rose again to make a relationship with you possible. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness that you bring. Thank you for the joy and the freedom that you bring to our lives. And Lord Jesus, we say again this morning, we want to be part of your family here on earth, what you're building us into. And so we pray, Lord, that today you would help us to be the sort of friend to one another that Jonathan was to David. We pray you'd help us with that. Help help us, Lord, to put others before ourselves. Help us to think of others before we think of ourselves. And Lord Jesus, we pray that as we do that, as we love one another, seek to honour you in it, we pray that others would look in and see what it is, see what it means to follow you. Lord, we pray that you would build your church. Thank you for your work in us. Thank you for your work in Jubilee. We say, God, please keep building your church for your great name's sake. Lord, in this city, in this nation, Lord, in the nations of the earth, be glorified, Lord. As we seek to love one another, as we firstly love you, be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.